0: Welcome to I'm Not 20 Anymore, the podcast for women 30 plus. This is the place to gather the info you need to know, need to learn, and need to grow. Welcome to I'm Not 20 Anymore, and this is your host, Shakira. I'm so excited today because I have a wonderful special guest on the show today, and we'll be talking about something that is so vital to black women, but women as a whole, things that we deal with, with our health and reproductive systems. Her name is Amelia, or Lady B, Amelia Lady B, and she is sharing her story today. You don't want to miss today's episode. Let's talk. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, Amelia. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Now here's something funny. I met her online. (laughs) So if you think it's impossible to actually meet people and connect with people um, through this lovely thing we call the internet, it is so possible. Um, I met her through Periscope. I was a Periscoper, which currently I don't even go on Periscope. Her name is Amelia Lady B. And When I first had the opportunity to hear her and see her uh, through Periscope, she was, uh, it was Lady B Empowerment and she was focused on talking about women empowerment, encouraging them in leadership and building them up. Um, She's since then uh, has evolved to even health, wellness, but now it's more of her focus. Amelia has a story that unfortunately, one out of 10 women have faced, and that is uh, what is known as endometriosis. I know very few people, a few people actually, that have endometriosis, and um, it's a journey, right? It's not easy. However, Amelia uh, had to be a millennial in menopause. So How did you get to this place of menopause being under the age of 40?
1: Um, Well, I started my menstrual when I was about nine years old. And from that point on, I had like severe cramping, a lot of pain Um, through the years. It's a long story. So through the years when I was about 21 years of age is when I first went to the gynecologist and I was diagnosed with endometriosis. I had to have a a surgery, a laparoscopic surgery. I had a lot of tests done prior to the surgery and it was there that, um, I had a cyst removed. It was a chocolate cyst, um, pretty much like a hard cyst. It's like a hard cyst filled with blood. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, it was like the size, the, like the diameter of a quarter and like, but it was almost like a little mini golf ball kind of sort of so to speak yeah um I had that removed I had some um scarring scar tissue um adenomyosis so that's scarring as well that's another it's a whole nother disease but it can also uh present itself when um with endometriosis but yeah so I had um endometriosis through that time I've had several surgeries um so what brings me to menopause is that I had stage four endometriosis by the time I was like in my thirties. And so what, ha- what happens um, in
0: this stage Is stage four, like the, so
1: stage four almost like I hate to bring it to that because I mean, even doctors say the same thing is like, you don't have cancer, but they do have it in stages. So, you know, like uh, cancer has like four stages and it's the same for endometriosis. And so like, I would say like the beginning stages are just uh, maybe like first diagnosis and maybe you're having some pain um, and it's not it hasn't reached or reached other organs yet. Maybe it's something that you can manage. Um, So let me kind of backtrack a little bit to talk about endometriosis. So endometriosis is where the lining of the uterus like there's endometriosis cells, They're cells. And so instead of growing on the inside of your uterus, it's actually growing on the outside of your uterus. And so that's what causes, and it's triggered by your menstrual cycle. So every month it, it like feeds. So it, it grows. So it can grow onto other organs. It's not just in the reproductive area. It can grow into any organ of the body. It could actually go up to your lungs, um, your brain, your eyes, that's really extreme. But um, typically, you hear mostly about the reproductive area. So that's pretty much stage four, Stage meaning stage four for me, it was on my um, uterus, my bladder, my bowels and all of that was kind of compounded together. It kind of brought everything together. Like literally it was attached to each other as well as my kidneys. I had one surgery where I had to have my, um, the endometriosis removed from my kidneys. Cause it was like, it actually had moved it out of place. So yeah. And that caused a lot of, a lot of my pain. So stage four for me was that it was attached to a lot of my organs and had already, uh, I guess you could say like webbed it together. And so it caused a lot of issues and I had to have that removed along with my uterus. So because it was so attached, my doctor um, informed me that he couldn't even determine the difference between my bladder and my uterus. And then my fallopian tubes and my ovaries were just they weren't even functioning as they were supposed to weren't functioning properly.
0: So you were diagnosed at 21. When did this Mm -hmm. pain or the symptoms start?
1: I'm going to say around 10 years old. Um, I've always had horrible cramps. Yeah. I've I've always had horrible cramps. Um, my mom would keep me home from school during the first about three days, maybe two, but typically about two to three days. Um, Yeah, it was that bad. I would, even if I did go to school, I would call home and my mom would, no questions asked. She would always pick me up because she knew, you know, what it was. And she would have to rub me down with, like, rubbing alcohol. And I would have to, like, take, I mean, crazy amounts of pills. And um, just to stay calm. I mean, sometimes it caused nausea, vomiting. I mean, I was in some severe pain.
0: And it's so crazy because I... I got my menstrual period around uh, is it 11? 11 and I used to have really, really bad, really, really bad cramps um, mm-hmm. and, and heavy, you know, heavy bleeding. Um, but, and, and I've heard that term before endometriosis then like as a, as a teenager or a preteen, wow. how do you know that this, that you're on that path, like because you, when you were diagnosed, you were already diagnosed. How did it get to stage four without it being detected prior to that? I know it's a two so, question, but I because 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 <laughs> I know that there's a lot of young girls that are just getting their periods, whether they're nine, 10, 11, or 16, and how do you tell the difference between? I'm really in pain because I used to be, I used to have heavy periods and be cramped up on the floor. How do I distinguish that from I could possibly have endometriosis?
1: Well, um, most definitely you yourself, but also parents have to be aware of how their daughter is interacting and how she's feeling as well. So um, for me, I know, I remember my mom used to tell me, um, oh, your aunt, um, had really bad cramps too. So in my mind, I'm pretty sure in her mind, she was just thinking, oh, it's just bad cramps and I'll be okay. Because, um, even my aunt explained to me, she was like, you know, after she had her first child, she was fine after that, you know? So, and she was never diagnosed or anything. So for me, I'm thinking in my head, you know, as a little, as a little girl, I'm just thinking to myself, um, you know, I'll be okay, you know? (laughs) Um, So now what I say is for parents, I really, really would say parents are advocators for their child because a lot of times, you know, when you think of a child, you would be like, oh, you're just in pain. Just take something. You'll be okay." Um, So it's important for parents to to kind of write down or jot down the severity. Like, you know, ask your child on a scale of one to 10 type thing. You know, that's what doctors do all the time. Um, Also keeping track of um, when her period's coming on, how long it's lasting, helping her to keep track as well, teaching her how to do that. Cause my mom did teach me how to do that as well. Cause I used to sometimes come on earlier than I was supposed to. Um, and then I also experienced heavy bleeding as well. Not all in the, um, women with endometriosis experience heavy bleeding. It just all depends on it's the, more woman. Of the pain. Correct. It's, it's more of the pain and, and just other things as well. But, um, some will experience heavy bleeding and some may not. It just all depends on what's going on, what's going on in there. So I had cysts involved with mine. So some women may not have cysts, you know, they just may have the endo tissue. So I had cysts as well. So, um, but for, like I said, for parents with young children who are not like the age that you would typically take them to the gyno. Cause I mean, at age 10, 11, 12, I mean, what parents really thinking? Oh, let's take my daughter to the gynecologist. Um, but at this, at these stages, it's really important to start talking or to doctors or taking your daughter to um, medical exams if this is indeed something that's um, hurting her. If she's in that much pain, of course, talk to your pre- pediatricians. But it's really important to monitor how she's feeling and what she's feeling and to really advocate for your daughter and be there with her during this process and believe her.
0: I also think Mm -hmm. like now it's more awareness around it. I mean, I don't know, maybe, and you've probably noticed that Mm -hmm. as well. Like there's endometriosis walks now. I know a friend of mine went to one in DC um, not too Mm -hmm. long ago and there's more, more advocates for it versus, 15 right. years ago you really didn't hear about it at all mm-hmm. no one talked about it why do you think that is because it's it's not that right. it wasn't diagnosed like we didn't know what it was it was just that you think most doctors were in denial mm-hmm. or you know or is it just finding the right doctor because how do you even know you're going to the right gynecologist
1: uh you'll know <laughs> And I say, you'll know, that's why I say parents have to advocate and you have to be an advocate for yourself. You'll know when your doctor right. pretty much dismisses you. And I've had a lot of that. I mean, I, <laughs> so, um, now,
0: are, are these older doctors or uh, you think it's just, some no. that
1: no, no, I mean my first doctor who diagnosed me, but that was just because he went in like, cause, because I had the surgery. Typically right, it's diagnosed right. through surgery because you okay. really can't tell what's happening on the inside. Um, you definitely can have all the MRIs and you could have, you know, the ultrasounds and stuff done, but until they go in, you really can't make a, you know, indefinite diagnosis. Um, I do believe that in years past, I'm going to say, I mean, even though like I was in school, I was like, it was like 2002 was that when I got diagnosed or whatever, Um, But, you know, now social media is just so much more prevalent. You know, I think social media, media just plays a role on how information gets out there. And so I had to go searching for what I thought I had. So even before my my doctor diagnosed me, I had already been doing research and trying to figure out what's happening to my body because I was scared. I mean, you're going through this pain month after month. And you don't know what's happening to you. You're going to a doctor and the doctor's saying, oh, take some birth control pills. You'll be okay. But that doesn't help. You know, it's not just the hormonal thing. Yeah. It's not helping anything. So I definitely believe as far as, um, you know, advocacy and it being made aware, I really do think that those of us who um, have suffered through endo for so long, we're not... We're done with being silent now. You know, we have social media platforms where we can be make things aware. Um, the Indo found the Indo Foundation of America, Endometriosis Foundation of America, is a great organization. It's actually one of like the top organizations um, who is making strides and making the awareness. So they have all types of walks. Um, they put on different conferences. Um, they have. They just did. Uh, I can't remember when this was. I want to say just before, I don't know if it was December or November, sometime around there. They just went to, um, they were like in DC marching to, um, for healthcare because healthcare for us is like, horrible you know we're stuck with so much so many bills and And it doesn't
0: cover so let's talk about that a lot of
1: things are not covered no no a lot of things are not covered and you know helping and also marching for doctors to I don't know get more education up there up their ante when it comes to diagnosing and stuff and not dismissing women, because a lot of women are misdiagnosed with the disease as well. You know, some women are told always in pelvic inflammatory disease or, you know, it's, you know, all kinds of different things. And they're just given birth control pills. They're given ibuprofen, you know, 800 milligrams of ibuprofen or something like, how is that going to help me? And so,
0: I I believe women's health, especially, um, is not really talked about that often like it's not i mean there's so many things that we can um make ourselves aware of also and that's why even self-educating and no this is not a call to go to webmd.com and start diagnosing yourself don't do that (laughs) um right i mean you but you you do want to to educate yourself and and start to find out about some things because unfortunately a lot of times we do have we're forced to do that once we're going through something and it's like if we can prevent it or help someone else prevent it that's really important um i definitely believe that a lot of doctors are not they're not seeking to, to make sure even in healthcare plans, you know, in what they, they service and how they can maybe even, you know, hide that cost to, to count as something else, just so they get paid because I believe right. doctors should get paid for what they do. But mm-hmm. this is major. And I, I work for right. someone. Hopefully she doesn't mind me sharing this. um, And she has endometriosis mm-hmm. and um and she's a very active she has to be she works twenty four seven pretty much and regardless of what she sticks mm-hmm. it out. But I know there's times where she would come in with her heels and she could barely do anything at all, function at all, but she pushed yeah. through it. And I think sometimes we don't mm-hmm. get enough mm-hmm. um you know clapping and enough just other other things that can be done to because there's no cure for it right now correct and right no hoping, there is no cure for i'm it. hoping that we get to a place where there is a cure for it um i just think that people have to put it in their priority buckets right because i think that that's that's key too um now that there's becoming right. more and more awareness around it um I believe that we'll get to a place where you do have doctors like really pushing to work and scientists working in labs to figure out how um, we can, can change this. Now, is this, this isn't genetic. Um, Actually
1: it is. It can be. (laughs) Yeah. It is. Um, So uh, for myself for so long, I thought I was the only one in my family who had it. So literally not until a month ago, I found out that um, I wow. have an aunt who had it. Um, she's actually my my okay. grandfather's daughter, so um, she had it. And how I found out was that I had a post. So I was uh, reposting what I one of my blog posts that I did for Millennial and Menopause onto my personal Facebook page. And she writes in a comment. Well, actually, I had a cousin also, another cousin on my grandfather's side who um, said, I have it too. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And then my aunt comments and she says, oh, I had this too. So then she messages me in my inbox and she says, you know, I had endometriosis and I had to have a hysterectomy. And then so did your cousin Um, She uh, told me who my cousin, which cousin had it. And then she also had to have a hysterectomy. Now a part of me felt relieved. I was like, wow. So I'm not the only one who has it. And then the other part of me was angry. And that (laughs) anger came from, you mean all this time, all these years I've been suffering and you mean to tell me nobody knew that this was in the family because that could have been something I could have communicated to a doctor. You know, when you go to the doctor, they ask for a family history. And that's something that I could have communicated. And maybe, just maybe, um, my outcome could have been a little bit different. Maybe I could have received a different type of care or treatment, you know, whatever the case may be. Um,
0: you could have found out earlier and had the potential to not get this surgery,
1: right? Earlier, exactly. You know, yeah, I could have at least found out earlier. Maybe something else could have been done. But I know I can't think about the past, but that is why I am so, oh my gosh, such a strong proponent for talking to your daughters, your nieces, talking to your family. When I um, when with my first got diagnosed and I realized I had endo, I prayed immediately. I was like, God, please don't let anybody else in my family have this. Like I was praying like for my my future kids and all this, my future daughters, all this stuff. And um, even after my after even with after my hysterectomy, I talked to my cousins, my first cousin, especially my first cousins. You know, I was like, listen, the moment you feel irregular like it's not normal you go to the doctor and you tell them this 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 i actually have a cousin now um who actually has endometriosis and um she just found out she just found out because i told her to push for it that's how she found out because her doctors were also telling her oh you just need to do pelvic floor exercises you're just having um spasms is what they told her wow and that's yeah and i I told and that's no.
0: <laughs> you know that that's that's something, and I I, I know um, you have a the your YouTube channel, you have your blog, you have your websites, you also have any of your additional Instagram posts and everything, and you touched upon that at the the fact that, and I feel like it's it's black women and it's Latina, it's it's women of color um, of other yeah. cultures as well that have an issue with um sharing our history our past and everybody from the age from the first time you go to the doctor um or probably from the time you're born those questions are asked uh what what does the right. your grandmother your maternal your you know uh grandmother great grandmother Aunt, right. uncle, mother, father, and unfortunately, and you said this, and I chuckled so hard on the <laughs> on the the post about um the the reality is this: most of the time, we only can answer. Oh, I know, grandma had uh, high blood pressure, and my my, yeah. my dad had um, right. diabetes. Right, we know diabetes, we know high blood pressure, and yep. and possibly. Breast cancer, Mm -hmm. bone cancer, and maybe, you know, a a few different types of cancers. And probably we still don't know all the cancers, unfortunately. Um, And that's it. And that is a frustrating part on, you know, in in the black community and other cultures um, that we don't because we don't know our history or maybe we're not connected with our families like that. And we come from so many different places um, that sometimes it's impossible to know that. And it's, it's so ironic and in a weird way that, you know, you put a public post on, your social media page deciding to bring awareness to, <laughs> and to, to what you right. what you're going through and to right. say, listen, I'm gonna choose <laughs> to help other people. And then you have family that you probably seen last Christmas or barbecue, and they're like, yeah. Oh, let me just type this. I have it, or I had it, or your aunt yeah. had it, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> And it's like, it's been almost 10, 11 years that you were going through this whole thing, not knowing that Aunt Tammy had it and never, no one, it's it's like a secret society. When reality, we can prevent these things or we can Mm -hmm. get to a place where, you know, um, Mm -hmm. if I, if I, if you know everything that your aunt had or your dad had, then now, for future generations, we can prevent it. And that's why this is really so important because although I have a loved one, I, I don't know who in my family, had, um, they probably, someone probably does have it or going through it, or maybe they don't even know. Um, I had a uh, family member. She was mm-hmm. 70 right. or something. And she, her husband had passed maybe, 20 years prior to to her and she decided I'm gonna go to GYN um, and she did mm-hmm. and discovered she had three or four cysts on, on, in her pelvic area. Now I don't know if she was diagnosed with endometriosis at the time, but they did have to remove those cysts um, wow. and unfortunately well she would have because it, it, unfortunately mm-hmm. it turned cancerous. And she ended up passing away maybe a year or two after that. But this, oh, this thing wow. of um, also, and I, I don't even think I had sh- um, mm-hmm. shared that I would talk about this, but this, this thing of also black women not going to the doctor. You do not have to be sexually active to go to the gynecologist. Yeah.
1: And see, so, but that's you also, too, have. one of those things where you just didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know you can go to the gynecologist just to go. I thought you had to be sexually active to go, to be honest. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's a myth, you know, and that's, but, but that's because right. no one's, no one's talking. No one's, no one's saying, right. you know, your health matters and we just need to make sure that everything's okay down there. So when that time comes and you get married and meet so-and-so, we,
1: right. everything is overall okay. your health right? is that's okay. important. And I, I I just, I
0: it's that's why this conversation is really key because and and even what you're doing is is important because it's so many especially in the black community no one likes right. doctors. I don't know about yeah, your no, family, no. but I know my family Correct. hates Correct. doctors.
1: And then when you're thinking, especially the gyno, who wants to go to the and, gyno? It's like not a fun thing to go. Like, oh yeah, we're going to the gyno, guys. Uh, let's have a you know let's have a party. Totally <laughs> Nobody wants to go to the gyno. It's uncomfortable. Totally <laughs>
0: uncomfortable. And the more they say, right. slide down, slide <laughs> down. You're like, I think I'm on the edge. <laughs> oh my gosh. Exactly, but the reality is this we can't see what we don't know Right. right so somebody has to see what's happening so that we can be more aware so that we can get whatever treatment needed um and and not get to a point where it becomes you know detrimental to our health um or detrimental to our future so let's talk about when your what your initial reaction was when you found out about it and what was your family's reaction
1: um so my initial reaction was I I was relieved when I when he gave me a diagnosis because I it it, there was a name to it you know it wasn't just walking around like oh my god I don't know what's happening because honestly it's like you're being stabbed with knives and then like you take it out, you stomp on it again, you put it back in. Like that's literally how it feels. It feels horrible. So um, to get a name to it, it was a relief to it. It was, it was a lot of relief. And I thought in my head, I thought, you know, there was treatment for it and I'd be fine. Actually what I thought was that after this surgery, after that first surgery that I would be completely feeling great. I'd be good again And boom, I can get to a normal life, whatever normal meant for me. Right. Um, As far as my family was concerned, um, my aunt, who at the time was in a lot of shock because um, I moved to Jacksonville. I live, was born and raised in Hollywood, Florida, and I moved up to Jacksonville to go to college. And so when I was living with her, living with um, her and her family, um, every month, Being in pain, she didn't understand it. So a lot of times she thought I was just trying to get out of washing dishes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was kind of like over exaggerating because I would literally have to like in order for me to go to school and stuff, I would have to wake up at least 30 minutes ahead of time. Take something. Take some Advil. About eight hundred milligrams of Advil. Lay down for thirty minutes, wow. and then um, I'd be able to get up and at least function. I'm not saying I was good. I was able to function, able to get in the car, drive to school, and walk to class very slowly. But that's how it it worked for me. So. Being, and then that was like the first, maybe like two days of my menstrual. By the third day, I was a little bit better. I was more able to do, you know, like move around. So I think she just wasn't really understanding that this is what was happening to me every month. Like I, I really am in pain. I'm not trying to fake it. You know, yes, I need to lay down every 30 minutes because I'm in some serious pain. So. For her was like, oh my god,
0: miseducation because she didn't really know.
1: Right, of course, of course. I mean, because really nobody really knows. So, and a lot of times I think to when it comes to um, being young. I was fortunate that my mom understood, and she knew that I wasn't faking. Right. So I think that parents, when you watch, when parents watch their kids, I think they kind of know when their kids faking. You know, you know when your kids faking. You totally know. You know, because they don't want to go to school. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you just faking. Um, but they know, you know, what that what that looks like. So I just believe that um, you just have to watch you know and you can't really dismiss how she's feeling because you know you just never know and for my aunt I think it was like she was shocked she was like oh my gosh you know I didn't know it was like that like I didn't know what you were right. going through was and then so I'm sure she felt severe, bad so a severe.
0: little bit for every time mm-hmm. she thought you were yeah.
1: faking um
0: and it's <laughs> yeah. like oh I wish I could take that back you know and some of that guilt may mm-hmm. have Affected her too. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, how do I nurture this? How do I get back to because it's, you know, it's that has to be hard to as a as a parent, whether aunt, grandmother, whomever Mm -hmm. your caretaker may be, and you're Mm -hmm. just you you're unsure of what it can be, and you think that this person is just this young girl, older girl, teenage, twenty, you know is is faking it and then when you find out it is something serious to her health that's a it it, i can understand that shock and understand that um it's like okay so where do we go from here and how do we help you because this is not easy because eve totally messed it
1: up for all of us i mean jacked it up she She jacked jacked it it up up. and that was like
0: dang okay so because i'm listening to this and i'm like i will never complain about a bad period ever because i can't imagine (laughs) what some of your bad days are like and they're they, they're nothing compared to what I go through is nothing compared to that and um, so I, I really just commend you and all women that are are going through this process whether they decided to get to a place where they had to have surgery or even just they didn't but they still have to go through the pain that having this causes Um so mm-hmm. I, my hat's off because I already know I'll just be passed. out like, I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> I'm not going to work. I don't want to do anything. Um, <laughs> now, does your say, job. The struggle is real. The allow struggle you is to real. have the opportunity because right now this yet is not your full-time thing, but it will be. I'm going to speak that in the atmosphere today. Um, but mm-hmm. right now, you still have a 9 to right. 5, right?
1: Yes, I do. So, like, um, all through the years that I was working, so, like, right now, after the hysterectomy, I haven't had any signs of endo. I actually went to the gynecologist. Uh, when did I go? Couple, last week? I went last week. Or this week? Last week? No, it was last week. I went last week, and everything was fine. I had an exam, and everything was a-okay i haven't had any signs or any feeling of like pelvic pain or anything like that so for now i there is no sign of endometriosis thank god you know um but prior to that so years prior when i was working and had endo um and just and going to school as well it was very difficult because like like i said you have to it's like You have to manage your pain, you have to manage, you're managing your feelings, you're managing your, your mental health, you're managing yourself spiritually, and you're trying to function in a day-to-day life, you know, you're trying to function as normal, whatever normal is, Um, which in fact, that is your normal, you know, um, you wake up in pain, normal for you, you wake up, you go throw up, you're good, and you go, you keep functioning, and a, uh, uh, I said an average person wouldn't be able to handle it, to be honest with you. like The things that women have to go through who have these reproductive health um, issues, whether it be PCOS, fibroids, dealing with fibroids, or endo, ovarian cancer, ovarian failure, whatever it may be, it's a real struggle. Or any other disease, in fact, in period, period. When you're dealing with the disease, you're dealing with a day-to-day struggle that becomes your normal and so it's one of those things where we kind of fake it till we make it. It's pretty much what we do. We fake it till we make it. We're popping pills. Um, we're taking breaks where we can. We're laying down wherever we can. Sometimes I will go to the library and get one of those corral rooms, one of those closed, the closed rooms. I will lock the door and I will lay down for about an hour, how much, how much ever long I had before my next class. That's how I function. Um at work, I would just, you know, ask for 30 minutes. Could I get 30 minute break or can I get my five minute, 10 minute break, or whatever? Um, I would get those breaks and stuff. Um when I as I got a little bit older and started working into my in, in my field in social services, it was a little bit easier because I was able to sit down. My job was more of a sit-down job, like an office in an office position. So I was able to carry my heating pad with me. And, um, you know, I would just kind of share with my supervisor. Can I take a break? I had a really cool supervisor. It was a woman. So, which made a difference. Um, she was black Caribbean. Yeah. She was black Caribbean. So we had, we built a relationship with each other. So I kind of told her what I was going through and she was like, Whoa, you know? So there was times that she'd be like, Amelia, just go home. Um, she would say that or she would allow me my 30 minutes. she would say yeah go take 30 minutes lay down and you'll be okay and I will go to my car and stuff like that um I for sure say that it's really important to talk to um just have someone at work have someone at school you know um I know we don't like sharing it's kind of like you don't want that sympathy you know you don't want people saying, "Oh." oh, that sucks. I hate what you're going through. Oh my gosh. You know, you don't really, we don't really want that. We just want you to hear it, you know, just be supportive, you know, just understand what we're going through and not kind of like look at us, look at us as if, you know, we're a burden or something like that. And that's the thing we kind of don't want. Nobody wants to feel like they are a burden, but definitely support me. Um, I've lost a lot of friends this way in college. Um, you know, because I had to turn down going to events like there's sometimes I could say, yeah, I'm going, I can come. Yeah. I'm. You know, you get invited and you're like, yeah, I can come. And then the next minute, you know, when the day comes, you may have an endo flare and you can't go. And that happened to me uh, on a, on several occasions. Okay. And so, you know, you lose friends and you and it sucks because nobody t- is taking the time to understand what's happening and so if you share with someone, if you have the, that support system, sharing with a co-worker um, that you trust, you know, sharing with if you can with the supervisor. I mean, I don't know. You know, I was blessed to have an amazing supervisor at the time. And so um, I was able to share with her and it made that much more easier for me to bear, you know, at work. That's
0: good. And that's that's important. The support system.
1: Um
0: having a support system, having at least one person that you can trust, that you can be honest with, whether that's on the job, that's a coworker, um, that is key because, and there's even groups now, I'm sure, um, locally in, in local areas or even at the hospital, there's someone to talk to because I know day to day, if you have endo, it's not easy. But let's talk about now where you are today um so you you, do you well one question i have to ask before i go there would you recommend that people get the surgery or do you think that that's something i know it's a case-by-case basis i know there there has to be some risk involved in it as well well not some there's risk with any surgery um Mm-hmm. But especially when it comes to uh-huh. um, yep. reproductive health surgeries, um, would you recommend if someone is at the place where they're like, I just can't do the symptom, everything going through with fibroids or um, with yeah. Uh, PCOS? Yeah. Should they? you know, what should they consider before making a decision to get the surgery that will induce them to be where you are today, which is dealing with the menopause, menopausal symptoms?
1: (sighs) Hysterectomy is like the last, last resort. It should be like the very last resort because you're putting your body into shock, like immediately so um definitely my advice to any woman going through any reproductive health issue is to just weigh out um talking to your doctor as far as your options um of course with cancer it's almost like you have no choice like that's boom your choice is to have a hysterectomy because that's saving your life that's saving your life um in my case too with my endo, as far as where it was and what was happening inside of my body, it literally saved my life as well. I didn't want the surgery, to be honest with you. I didn't. That was the furthest thing from my mind. Um, When I met my doctor in 2012, our goal was for me to have children. Our goal was for me to get pregnant. And that was to get pregnant, whether I get married or not. So I really had a plan, honestly, to freeze my eggs. And I was going to, you know, do what it, make it do what it do. I was going to freeze my eggs or either I was going to have in vitro. So I, um, which is another faux pas in the black community, especially a Christian single woman having in vitro, (laughs) but, um, I didn't tell anybody about that except I told my cousins about it. And I said, you know, I'm, Hey, I want to, I want to be a mom. And that's, if that's how it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. So um, me and my doctor, we kind of sat down and was talking about a timeline and stuff. And so I just had, but I had to have um, additional surgeries just to clean everything up. He said, I'm going to clean you up, you know, and I'm going to, you know, make it as bearable as possible for you. But once I do this, you know, we really have to discuss having kids immediately because this endo is aggressive, like it's coming back very quickly. And so, you know, that was my plan. And, um, about, I say it was like a third surgery with him and he went in and he was like, there's no way, um, you'd be able to have children. He was like, your ovaries and your fallopian tubes and your uterus have been all damaged really bad. And there's no way he was like, you have to have a hysterectomy. And I'm like, oh my God. I just and started that crying. Just, that made it
0: completely impossible for them to freeze or do anything.
1: Yeah, because I didn't have any, like, nothing would be viable. Like, nothing was viable. So I couldn't even, he couldn't even retrieve an egg to, you know, make that possible. He was like, there's just no way. There's no way. He's like, you have nothing. Like, it's damaged. So damaged damage.
0: how long did it take you to have to have the surgery?
1: Um... Okay. So my first time meeting him was 2012. I had a surgery with him in 2012. Wow. The second surgery I had in two thousand um, 2012, that was 2014, July of 2014. I had another surgery. At that surgery is when he said I had to have a hysterectomy. He was like, you need to have it and you have to have it immediately. So December of 2014 is when I had the
0: radical
1: now the surgeries theory. were to remove the endo. So it was just to to okay. clean it, clean me up, per se, you know. So the endo's there. It's 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 like a webbing. If you Google it and you see pictures of it, you'll be like, Whoa. Like you'd be like, Oh wow. It almost looks like spider webs just clinging everywhere and wow. like all types of like red tissue just all over the place. It it looks horrible. Um so it was attached to stuff. So he was trying to unattach it, you know, right. and make it, you know, so it can work again. So it could be, you know, so my body can function like it's supposed to. But again, remember I said at the beginning where my bladder was on top of my uterus, on top of my mixed in with my bowel, on top of my, you know, my my ovaries were attached and strangled and all that stuff. So the way my the way, like, a normal, happy uterus is supposed to look, or you know, reproductive system is supposed to look with your ovaries, you know, on the sides and you know, boom. No, mine wasn't, mine was like mangled up. Wow. So, yeah. So, but to answer your question, because I didn't answer your question, but <laughs> um, I would definitely again, I. Someone actually DM me, since I started millennial and menopause, I've been getting a lot of DMs, a lot of questions coming in about um, what I'm going through and then about their their journeys with endometriosis specifically. And then um, them considering like a doctor telling them they have to have a hysterectomy. And it's a definite, you know, it's a blow, especially if you haven't had children. For some women, it's immediate relief. It's like, yes, take it take it please I don't want it now although um a hysterectomy is not a cure for endo because it's a possibility it can come back but at the same time it's almost it's still a relief for some so it's a relief for some so you have um those of us who are you know we're still young um I was 33 when I had mine um you have women who are in their 20s who have radical hysterectomies and radical hysterectomy is a total hysterectomy like mine the removal of the uterus removal of yeah removal of the ovaries all of that and so um it's rough I mean it's not just rough it's it's devastating because you had plans you know when you're a little girl you have plans you know most of us have plans you know I'm gonna be a mommy and it's it's not to say that you can't be a mommy it's it's that you want to give birth you know that traditional route of giving birth and so for some women it's go ahead take it I'm good and for others it's not so not so great so when he told me that it was very devastating I cried it was a I mean did you go leading up to it? a cycle of
0: where it was that aha moment of Certain things I just can't do anymore. I'm not gonna be able to dream about that. I can have, I can adopt, but you know the physical aspect of it is 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 no longer, which is probably the hardest thing. I mean, of course I'm mm-hmm. a thirties plus woman with no children and don't mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm well, not to my knowledge, <laughs> I don't have, <laughs> cause I don't know, I've never been pregnant. Um, but I, I to my knowledge, I don't have a, a, a medical condition or issue, not even condition, but you know, that will mm-hmm. stop that from happening. Uh, I just don't have it Right. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, so that's a, a difficult place to be in mentally. Um, and Mm -hmm. i would say it it probably takes a little bit to get to to let that sink in um but then you still have to live life right and i know that most women can get to that place where it um it affects them more some more than others right like you said there's some that's like take it away whatever i don't Mm
1: -hmm. i I want to be done
0: And then there's others like, okay. Right. You know, so what would, what was that embrace like? And what would you say to someone that is going through this process and they are in a place where it's like, they might be really affected by this. They may be 25, they may be 30, 35, but what advice could you give them? Um, hmm.
1: it will get better you don't see it at that moment because everything's thrown at you at one time like it's just it's just it's like you see your life crumbling before you because the fact that you know you will not be able to give birth um Stay prayerful. Yes, definitely. We believe in the power of God. Stay prayerful. Of Jesus
0: Christ, um, and we know that something like yeah. this is, yeah. it can take you back. Anything that happens in life sometimes can take you back, but when you are physically going through something mm-hmm. and mentally and emotionally, yeah. Yeah. it can be hard. Um, now, dealing with menopause. Do you talk to women mm-hmm. that are in menopause? Mm-hmm. How do you cope with that?
1: Uh Oh my gosh. Coping with menopause. And how long will you be in <laughs> this? Is this like till 60? It's crazy. <laughs> um, That's a good question. I really haven't even asked my doctor how long this would be going on. I would hope that eventually it kind of just goes away (laughs) that's a good question i need to write that down so that i can ask my doctor you know so how long am i going to be um going through this right is this forever for me you know i mean if he doesn't know he doesn't know it is what it is (laughs) but i don't i really don't i don't know how long it's going to be but coping with it um man i'm telling you i just started learning how to cope with it in the last year. Um, it literally immediately started happening to me in the hospital. And I didn't even know what was happening to me. I was experiencing hot flashes immediately. So um, the only reason why, how I knew that I was, I was having hot flashes is because my room was like at 65 degrees and the nurses would come in and say, Oh my God, it's so cold in here. And they would be like, "Um, you want me to turn it up? And I'm like, no, <laughs> don't touch it do not touch that <laughs> and I'm like wow maybe I'm experiencing maybe I'm flashing and so when I um got released from the hospital and came home I was like yeah that's it I'm flashing so I immediately you know the hot flashes were immediate for me and then eventually um the weight gain happened and the insomnia kicked in and you know the bouts of crying I didn't were know immediate that gaining
0: weight was part of that yeah.
1: so I, I gotta start yeah now. <laughs> so you're weight. Yeah. yeah you have issues with weight not every woman is the same but for me it was this way definitely um you do have women who who say the same but for me most um i think it happened really because of my recovery time the doctor didn't release me to actually start exercising for some time it was a while it was quite a while before um I was released to be able to exercise. And so I kind of put on the pounds um, in that time frame. And so it's really difficult with getting it off because, you know, our hormones play a big role right. in our weight and our fluctuation of weight and how we, you know, gain and lose weight. And so when you don't have any, you know, you don't have that estrogen and you don't have that, you know, progesterone and all that stuff raging through your body because that's what your ovaries provide. You don't have that. You kind of, your body is depleted of that, and so it makes it very difficult for you to um, to lose. I mean, it's not that it can't happen; it can definitely happen, but it just takes more of the effort. Um, I see a therapist. I started yeah. seeing a therapist last year. Um, the other taboo of Black women right. that we don't do—you
0: <laughs> know—I was going to go there um, um, <laughs> because everyone th- everyone thinks that listen, like, lady going to a therapist means you're crazy right not everyone but i think in our community uh, um yeah caribbean african american latina um mm-hmm. there's this myth you don't like you you even on tv right you hear you see people and they're only caucasian that right. oh i went to see my therapist and <laughs> And, you know, we talked about X, Y, and Z in my life and my relationship and whatever the case may be. And people think like therapy, I'm not crazy, but, you know, I think that right. it's necessary right. to, to have exactly. someone to talk to who doesn't have any inkling about who you are personally. And they can't tell you, they knew you since you were 12 to five, they can't judge you um they're not gonna fault you Mm -hmm. they're not gonna call you names (laughs) they're gonna listen to you (laughs) they are great listeners they're high-paid listeners that's their job
1: (laughs) that's what you're paying them for
0: (laughs) but it's it's necessary and i think it 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 helps ultimately right i mean what has your experience as a as a woman been as a black woman going to a therapist now let me ask this is your therapist black
1: yes she is Okay. Do you think that matters uh most definitely I actually sought out a black therapist to be okay. female yeah mm-hmm.
0: to to because that's someone that can kinda of have some identify with
1: in, yeah right. mm-hmm. most definitely right. um and do in- I think that I don't think that like it's a latina couldn't um I couldn't go to a latina like she wouldn't understand me or I couldn't go to a white therapist It's not that, but you really It was my first time and so here's, so, so I went to school. This was, this is my field. So I went to school. I have my master's in mental health counseling. Okay. Mm -hmm. So all this time I tried to therapy myself. Okay. This is before. So I'm thinking to myself, listen, no, you good you don't need to go see a therapist. This is all this stuff I was having in my head, a whole conversation with myself in my head. You don't need to see a therapist. We got, you know, we can handle this. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And at one point I just couldn't take it. You know, when you're continuously bursting out in tears for no reason that there's a problem. So um, I decided to look for a therapist and I was like, I think I, you know, I prefer to see a black woman. Um, And that's important. Yeah. And And because I feel like they can't, I feel like she would be able to identify with me and and whatnot. I just, it's that comfort, especially too. I feel like if you're, if it's your first time going to a therapist, you don't know what therapy is like, go to someone who you may be feel, may feel familiar with, you know? Um,
0: And that's another thing. You can't self-diagnose. You sure cannot. No matter what degree
1: you have, have. you cannot.
0: (laughs) bachelors in psychology so you're like i understand people i know myself i know i am. let me you know Mm -hmm. i you also recently have completed i'm waiting for you to share i have
1: my certification (laughs) in um and wellness as a wellness consultant yes
0: right so now people you you're gonna have to find her to to um to seek out and yeah I'm combining get,
1: all of my um, education to like bring something massive yeah
0: <laughs> um and if and but if you just need someone to talk to to find out are you doing the right things is there other ways for you to cope better and not just with something like this but overall overall health and wellness um, nutrition are you eating right, living right, everything. So yeah. I think that's amazing. And, and congratulations on that. Um, it's just another one under Thank your you. belt, but it gives you now the opportunity to even go further with um, the women that you speak with and kind of kind of use that so you can take that right. to another level. So that's exciting. Um, now I won't, I, I know we're like past an hour. So people are probably like, oh my gosh, like, I know. my podcasts are never past an hour actually if it's just me i try to give y'all 20 to 30 minutes and i'm out Everybody's sentence man is not
1: good <laughs>
0: something that's as good as this is like i know i can talk to you for hours about this because there's so much to learn there's so much information but that's why she has other resources yeah. for you to go to her instagram um and but I, I have one last question and then, um, gonna wrap up for my new I'm Not 20 anymore segment. Okay. And then, um, I you can share how people can reach out to you and and um no. find out more and not just hit her up for free advice because advice calls, she attends a counselor and she sees someone and they're getting paid. So,
1: <laughs> yes. That's so mine. so um, she's not going to be
0: sharing her whole <laughs> everything with you and you're not realizing how valuable the information is because this was just a tip of information. But do know that uh, there's so much more that she can do to help you get through whatever it is that you're going through physically, mentally, um, everything. I I know I need some help in the nutrition area because, uh, uh, yeah. So that's a whole nother, that's, that's another podcast. Um, you know, but what do you think your biggest opposition or something that you, Um, you still striving um, for?
1: It's becoming a mom. Um, that that's on my mind daily. Um, to be honest, it really is a daily thing. And it's so crazy because I work with, young adults and so my young adult clients have children Mm -hmm. it is very sometimes I have to I talk to myself and this is some things that my me and my therapist have talked about as far as how I prep myself to be around children um yeah I'm not at all in a place of like I'm kidnapping somebody's kid no that's not where I am it's, it's emotional. It's emotional for me. It's more of an emotional thing. And so right. sometimes, I, I mean, there are some times where I'm good. I, I can play with people's kids. I'm I'm actually really good with kids, and kids really love me. And so because I'm a big kid myself. <laughs> um, so there are times where I will feel I will play with kids, and there are times where I, I'm i in a, some kind of way. It's like my mood just... From a day-to-day, it's, it's just something that changes. It's just somewhere where I will just start crying. Um, babies in general, when I see babies, babies, oh my God, they're adorable. But I definitely, I cry. I cry because it's like, man, when I see pregnant women, it's like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be there. Like, I'm not going to have that. And I know, um, when I heard Gabrielle Union, when she was talking about, when she was sitting with Oprah, her and um, her husband, and they were talking about, um, um, for her becoming a mom, when I tell you, when she said, you know, there are different paths, there are different paths to becoming a mother. I cried the whole interview I cried I couldn't watch I had to turn I literally turned off the TV when they brought her daughter out because I couldn't see her um because it took me because I was in that emotional state at that time and so it was really a lot for me so um but when she said that that entire interview really encouraged me and I love it I really really do I love it and um that just lets me know I mean it's a reminder it's
0: not easy um mm-hmm woman instantly, we're just general nurturers, you know, um, and I definitely know having a career or, uh, you know, um, now where you're working with kids, it's, it can be, you have your good days and you have your days where, yeah, you do have to go home and just breathe and know that Mm -hmm. it will, it will be okay. Um, do you foresee, Still, the adoption in the near future,
1: most definitely. Most definitely. I mean, when I tell you, I'm like on a, I'm kind of like in a, in a, people say, you know, how they talk about right. the biological clock and stuff, even though, like, my technically my biological clock has been removed. Um, I still feel it, <laughs> like, I'm like. I'm on a mode where, like, I'm on hustle mode. I'm like, this year, you know, I'm in 2019. I'm 37 years old. I'm like, listen, it's time. I'm t- I'm ready to start a family. Like, you know, this is whether I'm married or not. To be honest with you, this is whether I'm married or not. If I'm if I adopt and have a be a single mom, it is what it is, hun. But that's why I'm trying to, you know, I'm making these coins, you know, building this brand, building this business, girl. Listen all for my babies so um most definitely and,
0: and, and that's and that's where it gets to a place of you know being encouraged stay encouraged because mm-hmm. although there's those moments where you do know that physically you can't or you know just or for those that it just brings more health problems like for gabrielle Union right. who had some she carried, but she could never carry to full term, and Correct. it was weighing yeah. a toll on her body physically. Um, mm-hmm. that she had no choice but to go another route, um, right. because it ultimately could have been detrimental to her health and her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of women out here, and that's that's a totally different show, which I'm gonna have someone. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm working on a show for that. Um, just about <laughs> that alone. Um, because yeah. you know I'm. Oh, I'll be 38 this year, and uh, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'll be 38 this year. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> I know. I say the same thing. Yes, I'll be 38 in June. I'm like, oh my gosh I do. I do want to <laughs> scream Sundays. So I'm sorry. Um, but, <laughs> but that's my thought
0: i'm i'm there with you like listen okay uh, i I need to get my money up because at the end of the day Mm -hmm. i gotta show that Mm -hmm. i have proof um that i can support some young child baby Mm -hmm. in this world and i want to bring them in the right way um Mm -hmm. and that doesn't yeah yeah, the the husband will come but you know right that's great. If he comes
1: before, then awesome. <laughs> but, if you know. <laughs> but if it
0: doesn't, um, I want to happen before I'm 40. Right? Yeah, I want to happen. I want to happen before I'm 40. <laughs> so I, I totally understand. Um, and I, I, I think that's yeah. important. And I just feel like there's so much, um, so many, so many kids out here that uh, are get thrown away by. By, by people who can physically have children and have no health issues, but um, they're yeah, that's a whole other topic because I,
1: I can go on about that. I actually but... work with the clients I work with are in foster care. I work with foster care youth, <laughs> so. It's literally a God thing. To be honest with you, Shakira, honestly, this whole thing, it's a God thing. When I I started this job in 2016, because I got laid off from my job in 2015, and I started this job in 2016, this is nothing but a God thing. I have never been in foster care. I've worked with youth, but they were like at-risk youth and stuff, and um, when I got laid off, I got this job, and it was working with foster care, and it's it's a God thing. It's a God thing because... um, it helped me to understand the foster care system, and um, also to help me heal. In a way, it helped me. It's helping me heal. So um, I owe it all to God. I mean, the, the the not just the clients I've met, but even my coworkers—they're amazing. Um, I I just can't even like I can just talk all day about them, but I mean, they're amazing. And so they made this transition for me they got me through it. Like they're helping me get through it. Like they understand it's, I was able to communicate with them what I'm going through, like that I am in menopause and they understand it. So when I do have a day, a lot of times, sometimes they're like, Amelia, you okay? And I'd be like, I may not speak or I may be like, I'm all right. And they'll be like, okay. And they'll just leave me alone, but they know I'm okay. And they know that, I know that they're there for me. It's, it's, it's a lot, but you know, they're amazing. And that's
0: what this is about. You know that's what it's really about. Having having that that just the people around you matter. Yeah, they matter. They matter with getting through your day. They matter with getting through your 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 job. They matter, and it that's totally God because He put you in a place at a time that with people that you needed to be with. Right and. I don't think that that oh that just happened it just mm-hmm. worked out that way no that's intentional
1: yeah
0: um that is intentional and knowing that these people are there they have your back they're rooting for you and and they know how to deal with you when you're dealing with everything that you mm-hmm. you you're physically going on mentally going on emotionally and knowing that you have that support is just absolutely amazing and it, it just really matters who who you're around when you're going through these just life life yeah. happening and it's right. happening now so it's no time to prepare because you didn't exactly have, you know in in this wow in the season of unpreparation you were still prepared yeah and that is that is truly a word that I can say because or God was was preparing you in, in that season and even now. And so it's like, I'm so excited for what your current future looks like because that's a whole nother story and testimony that I'll have to have you back yeah. to share. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is truly, that's a blessing. So I'm honest, it, it's really the not an opposition. It's just a, a process.
1: Yeah, definitely,
0: outstanding. Um, I've learned a lot, and it it also made brought so yeah. much awareness. What would be your lasting thought to uh, to leave with our audience?
1: Um, go to the gyno, please, please go. Um, it's it's not the most glamorous thing, but um, definitely take care of yourselves. As a whole, I think we forget about, um, we forget that God gave everyone a gift. God gave everyone, you know, a talent, a, a specific thing to do, you know, and God gave us doctors. They have knowledge and um, regardless, sometimes they may not have all the answers you just keep going. You find a specialist. If if one doctor doesn't work out for you, find another one. It's a tedious task, but you have to do it. You know, the first thing you do could do is look for specialists in a specific disease that you think you have. If you think you have endo, then go to an endo doctor. Um, talk about your symptoms. Advocate for yourself. Most definitely, um, to every woman. Regardless of your ethnicity, please go see a therapist. And this is not even just because you're going through menopause or you're going through um, a disease. It doesn't have to be anything. Whatever you're going through in your life, it's good to go to a therapist. It's not anything that should be taboo anymore. This should be something that is normalized. Yes, I believe in God. God gave me a gift. My gift is to counsel. And so when I counsel with my, with my clients, right. I impart in them knowledge. And they take that knowledge and it helps them to grow. And I'm seeing a therapist. My therapist is imparting knowledge to me that is helping me cope on a daily basis. And so therapists are not for crazy people, quote unquote crazy people. Um, they're there for, to help you cope through whatever it is that you're going through, whether it be a divorce whether it be a loss of a of a parent, a loss of a child, a, I mean, whatever it may be, therapists help you to cope with your daily life, and they help you get through get through things. And so, yep, that's my lasting message. There you have
0: it. Um, so, if you didn't get anything out of listening to this podcast, one thing you should have gotten is talking is necessary. <laughs> And having a support mm-hmm. system is <laughs> even better. And if you don't, find a counselor. And if, you, if it's insurance, if you don't have it, they got Obamacare, they have some other resources. Um, sometimes um, locally, you can find free resources within um, the, you know, you, you just have to look. And so don't do it, don't go through anything by yourself. That's the key. Um, Amelia, right. I enjoyed this. So I have uh, one last um, round. And this is my new when I interview mm-hmm. people. Eh, I have a uh, I'm not 20 anymore segment. So unrelated or kind of. It depends how whatever way you want to go with it. Um, these are going to be three questions that I, I okay. ask. Um, and you just answer whatever comes to mind whatever top of your head so the first one name one thing you cared about at the age of 20 or in your 20s that you can care less about now
1: hmm. to be honest with you <laughs> it's maybe like a really nerdy answer um because at 20 i literally my thing was i want to get married and I want to be successful. So, (laughs) okay. So that's literally what was like on my mind then. Like I really didn't have any like frivolous things, I guess you can say, you know, I really, that's what I cared about. Like that's literally what I cared about. And I still care about that today. So. Very good. That's not nerdy at all. So that's good. Uh, Name one of your favorite books you
0: recommend or something you're currently reading.
1: I'm currently reading um, Believe Bigger by Marshawn Evans Daniels. If you don't know who she is, you need to know her. Um, Follow her on Instagram. And then you will, I'm saying you welcome now because you will thank me for that. You're welcome. (laughs) Awesome. You will get your life all the way together. Get your life all the way together.
0: Um. Share something with the audience they don't know about Amelia.
1: Fun. I love different airplanes. Now, this could stem from me being named Amelia <laughs> after Amelia Earhart. But I really love planes. Um, I actually flew a plane when I was on my, for my thirty. Fourth birthday, I believe it was. Yeah. For my 34th birthday, I went and, um, yeah, I flew a plane. I had a flying lesson. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's amazing.
0: All right. Well, that is good. And, um, yeah, I love riding in planes. I don't, <laughs> I don't have the courage and I want to jump out of one before I'm 40 or at least by 40. Oh, man.
1: I can't do that no <laughs>
0: wait how can you get behind the not, wheel
1: not jump, out, of jump one. out okay no, yeah gonna, I,
0: I do don't. i want to go skydiving um that's my one of my on okay. oh, my bucket list right but um I'll see. <laughs> see, <so> i'm scared <laughs> of what you did but yeah i want to jump out a plane who knows <laughs> wow
1: oh my, oh, gosh. my gosh well
0: Amelia, how can people get in contact with you? What are some of your social media handles if they need advice or or even your services of 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 uh, counseling mm-hmm. or consulting or just wellness or overall health? How can they reach you?
1: Um, I have a beautiful website. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Millennialandmenopause.com You can visit me um, You can go over to YouTube And find me at Millennial and Menopause I have a plethora of videos And they won't stop I'm going to continue dishing them out Um, Also on Instagram That's my family My Millennial and Menopause family You definitely can check me out there You can shoot me a DM I don't mind Um, I get DMs all the time asking all different types of questions. And so I'm not a doctor, but, you know, I have experience in some things and I definitely um, would advise to consult with a physician. But, you know, you can hit me up. I don't mind. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking out the time in your day, your evening, your whatever to uh (laughs) to interview with me i really this has been such a great thank you for having me well that's all for today's episode i hope you enjoyed it laughed a little and most importantly learned a lot so that you can apply it in your week if you're not already please follow me on i'm not 20 anymore on instagram and on facebook and don't forget to share this great information with your friends and family Until next time, stay blessed, keep growing, and live every day fulfilled. Because girl, you are not 20 anymore.